I know that if you look at the title that's on the screen, these are two concepts that you have heard about in your life. In fact, they're two of the most prominent concepts that are found in some religious affiliations, and they are these. What about the rapture? And number two, what about the thousand-year reign of Jesus Christ? May I say before we begin, though, that if Jesus Christ was not raised from the dead, we have absolutely no hope. If Jesus wasn't raised, the Bible says we are of all men most miserable because we only have hope in this life. And if that is the case, we are of all men most miserable or pitiable, as the New King James renders it. So we believe in the resurrection, absolutely. And we are so thankful that Jesus was the first fruits of them that slept and Jesus was the first resurrected. And we're so thankful that one day there will be a resurrection of the dead. If there were not, then nothing in the world matters. The book of Revelation also speaks in a very figurative way about the eternal relationship of Jesus Christ and his church that's oftentimes misunderstood. People today, in their zeal to understand all the details of the book of Revelation, have created a doctrine of the second coming that is wrong and really quite blasphemous. And this is known as the doctrine of premillennialism. Now, this is a huge subject. And there's obvious things that I can't touch on in one sermon. But I want to talk about it from the aspect of the rapture and the thousand-year reign. Have you ever seen those bumper stickers that you're traveling behind somebody in a car and there's a bumper sticker and it said, in the case of the rapture, this car will be unoccupied. And really that's because of the false teaching or the false concept of what the rapture is going to be. I'm going to talk about what the rapture actually is in just a minute in terms of what is believed today. But this illustration is very false. It's the false doctrine of premillennialism. In fact, there are five doctrines of premillennialism, and they are as follows. Number one, that there are prophecies in the Bible that have never been fulfilled. Number two, the rejection of the Messiah by the Jews. Number three, the imperfection of the church. Number four, only the saints will be raised in the rapture. And number five, the reign of Christ on the earth for a literal thousand years. I can't touch on every single aspect of this, but in this lesson, we're going to notice the last two. We're going to notice this concept of only the saints being raised in the rapture. And we're going to talk about the reign of Christ for a thousand years. Now... Let me just say, there are four questions I want to ask, and they really matter. And my goal is at the end of this lesson that we'll be able to emphatically state what the answers to these questions are based on the Word of God. Four questions we want to notice. Number one, will there be a rapture? Number two, will there be seven years of tribulation? Number three, will Jesus establish an earthly kingdom someday when he comes back? And finally, number four, will he reign on earth for a literal thousand years? Before we go into these, please notice the following, though. Premillennialists today misunderstand the promise of David's throne. Very much misunderstood. 
In fact, premillennialists hold that David's throne would be literally established upon the earth forever. The scriptures, though, teach otherwise. What was the promise regarding David's throne? Let's begin in the Old Testament. In 2 Samuel chapter 7, beginning there in verse 12. When your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you who will come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Now, who's going to be on the throne? This sound familiar? We go to Isaiah chapter 9 and beginning in verse 6. Who is this? For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Now we understand that is the prophetic words of verbal prediction that Jesus Christ would come into the world. For unto us a child is born, for unto us a son is given. Let's go further. And the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. That is Jesus. Let's go to the New Testament in Luke chapter 1. And beginning there in verse 32. He will be great and he will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. Now, first of all, we have to establish the premise. This is Jesus. And the word of God is describing Jesus to have a throne. Jesus to have a government in which he would be over. Jesus would have a kingdom that he would reign over. All of that is what's being stated when it says in figurative language, the Lord God will give him a throne of his father, David. Now, the question is this. Was this intended to be a promise regarding a literal throne on earth? Was it something that was to be in the future? In fact, we have concerning the reign of Christ the following. In Hebrews chapter 1 and verses 3 and 8. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. And upholding all things by the word of his power. When he by himself purged our sins. Notice what he did. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Sat down. Does that sound like something that's going to happen in the future on this earth? Notice what happens. When he had purged our sins, he sat down. Where? At the right hand of the majesty on high. But to the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. Let's go to the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 30. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath... That of the fruit of his body, according to the flesh, he would do what? He would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. Now, raise up Christ, what does that mean? Raise him from the dead. God would raise up Jesus Christ from the dead to do what? To sit on his throne. Where's the throne? It's at the right hand of God. Hebrews 12 and 2 says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. He's on that throne 
right now. Another passage, though, Revelation chapter 3 and verse 21. Notice what happened. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. And him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Past tense, Jesus sat down. You know, there's many other prophecies that premillennialists complain, uh, claim that are yet to be fulfilled. And part of this is because of their misinterpretation of the book of Revelation. I don't know why it is, but if you talk to people today, you know what they want to talk about? Let's talk about Revelation. Let's get the book out. I don't know anything about Jesus or anything, but let's get the book out and talk about Revelation. You know, when people come to me that I study with, for example... And I'm trying to, and they're not members of the Lord's church. They're not Christians yet. They need to learn about Jesus. They need to learn about the Savior. They need to, be, they need to come to Jesus. And oftentimes they'll want to study the book of Revelation. And I will say, wait a minute, we'll do that. But first we're going to begin with Jesus. We're going to begin with all this other stuff. And then someday we'll get to the book of Revelation. One of the most misunderstood concepts that is found in the religious world is based upon a misunderstanding of the book of Revelation. And by the way, I heard a preacher say not long ago, he said this. He said, you know, the reason that people sometimes don't understand the book of Revelation is because they don't understand the Old Testament. And many times people look at events that are described in the book of Revelation as events that have not happened yet, but they're going to happen someday in the future. So what do they do? Oh, look at the signs. Look at all the things that are happening. See, even Revelation talked about it when they're specific to things that have happened and have been fulfilled. Misunderstandings. One of which, by the way, though, is about the kingdom of Christ. The kingdom. In John chapter 18 and verse 36... Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. Now, I put this in red and underline it and make it bold here for our learning. My kingdom is not of this world. Now, does that sound like somebody that is going to say that I'm going to have a kingdom one day on the earth and I'm going to be on a literal earthly throne? Not to me. This sounds what it says. The kingdom is not of this world. Then he said, if my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Another one in Luke chapter 17, verses 20 and 21. Now, when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, see here or see there. Notice what Jesus says, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. It's a spiritual kingdom. Now I don't have time to go into all these passages. So I'm going to do this really quickly. Stay with me. I'll put them on the screen. We're going to notice several points. Did Jesus fail to set up his kingdom? Let's notice what the Bible says. First of all, Daniel prophesied it would be in the days of the Roman Empire. Daniel chapter 2 and verse 44. John the Baptist, the forerunner 
to Jesus said that the kingdom was at hand. And by the way, that simply means this. It was so close, they could see it, they could touch it. In other words, it was something that was so close that the senses could perceive it. Something coming really soon. What else? Jesus then preached the kingdom of heaven was at hand. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 17. What else? He told his disciples to go out and preach that the kingdom was at hand. Now, we're going back thousands of years ago, and what we find is, we find this. In the days of the Roman Empire, John the Baptist said it was at hand. Jesus said it was at hand. Jesus told the disciples to preach it was at hand. It was coming. It was something that was very close. Next, Jesus said also that the kingdom would come before some standing around him died. I'm going to tell you, if this promise is not fulfilled, then there's still people living that were standing there in the very midst of Jesus in the long ago. And it would come with power. What else? In Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, Jesus said that the power would come when the Holy Spirit came. One more and then we're going to put it all together. We find that the Holy Spirit came in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. Now, put it all together. In Acts chapter 2... On the day of Pentecost, the baptism of the Holy Spirit came to the apostles. Jesus said it would all happen when the Holy Spirit came. The Holy Spirit came, therefore, power came. And when power came, the kingdom would come. That sounds to me like it already happened, don't you? When power came, the kingdom came. So... Did Jesus fail to set up his kingdom? No. It is in existence today, and Jesus is the king. Now, in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13, what is the kingdom? Here it is. We are translated into the kingdom of God's dear son. That's the church. On the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came, when power came, the kingdom did come too. And it was established. And Jesus Christ right now is reigning over that kingdom. So let's talk about this then. What about the doctrine of the rapture? Premillennialists hold that only the saints would be raised during the rapture. Now what is the rapture? What, is, what does it actually mean? What are people talking about when they say the rapture? The rapture, this is what they're saying. Jesus will come and take the saved to heaven. Now, I saw a deal, I think it was on YouTube, years ago. And it was a picture of what is believed about the rapture. And it showed this auditorium of people. I don't know how many people, but a lot of people. And then all of a sudden, there was this great big noise, this great big exploding noise. And the next thing you saw is you saw about three quarters of those people, they were gone from that scene, and there was a few that were left. Do you know why? Because that is a depictment of what they believe is going to happen. The rapture. In other words, Jesus in his time is going to come back and bring those to heaven that are saved while other people are still living on the earth. That is the rapture. What else? It is also believed that there will be a great tribulation for seven years. And by the way, none of this is in the Bible. The rapture will happen when Jesus comes and takes the saved to heaven while all others are still here. 
Number two, there's going to be a period of seven years of tribulation. After that seven-year period, Jesus Christ is going to come back and he's going to sit on an earthly throne and reign on earth. And what else? The wicked will be raised and will not be raised until another time. Well, first of all, we already established Jesus is already on his throne. He is reigning over his kingdom. His kingdom has been established. The kingdom is the church. And if you're a member of the church, you are in the kingdom. So what am I saying about the doctrine of the rapture? I'm saying the doctrine of the rapture is unscriptural. None of this is found in the Bible. Let's notice. What did Jesus say about this? What did Jesus say when it's time shall be no more and Jesus comes back? Jesus said the following in John chapter 5, verses 28 and 29. Jesus says, do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming, in the which all that are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth. Those that have done good unto the resurrection of life and those that have done evil to the resurrection of damnation. What's going to happen? In that time when Jesus is going to come back, Everybody is included. All that are in the graves will hear his voice. What's going to happen? Those that have done good will be resurrected to the resurrection of life, and those that have done evil to the resurrection of damnation. Not going to be a separate time when the wicked are resurrected. In fact, in Acts chapter 24, verse 15, listen to this. I have hope in God, which they themselves also accept, that there will be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and the unjust. Notice there's only going to be one. One resurrection from the dead, both the just and the unjust. And in the plain teaching of Scripture, there's only one resurrection for both the good and the bad. So then all of a sudden we look at this idea then. What about the idea of the period of seven years of tribulation and what about this thousand year reign on earth now i gotta say this before we go any further you cannot take things that are written figuratively in the bible and apply them literally in the bible and the bible says in the book of revelation there's all manner of things that are pictures or are figures and not to be taken literally for example you remember John the Revelator when he got the vision up into heaven and he gave a picture and he used beautiful words to describe the picture of heaven that he saw. Do you remember what he talked about? He talked about glass. He talked about all these other things. He talked about horses. I don't think there's literal horses in heaven. Do you? That's something of a physical nature, a physical realm. I love horses, but I don't think they're going to be in heaven. It's a spiritual place. All of a sudden, too, we find that people sometimes say, you see, there's even instrumental music in heaven. No, it says that the voices of them sounded like harpers harping on their harps. Pictures, figures, symbols to describe what he saw. We have to be very careful about pictures and symbols and figurative language. Premillennialism teaches that Jesus Christ will come back to the earth after the period of seven years of tribulation and reign on an earthly throne in Jerusalem with all the consent of the Jews. 
He will, during this period, rule over the kingdoms of the earth and bring them under subjection for 1,000 years. Those that are part of the rapture that we talked about, they will be given special privileges and governorships to rule with Christ on the earth. Where do they get it? In part, for misunderstanding, Revelation 20 and beginning in verse 5. Misunderstanding. But the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. Then it says this. This is the first resurrection. I got to make this point. This is how most people interpret this when they talk about the thousand year reign and all of that. And they talk about the first resurrected and all that. Okay? This is how they read it. But the rest of the dead did not live until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. No, it's not what it says. Period. Period. Then he says, this is the first resurrection. In other words, when Jesus said, when the Bible says, this is the first resurrection, it's not talking about what he already said. It's talking about what he is going to say. The entire subject matter. How do I know that? We look at other passages of scripture. In fact, if we're going to understand what this means, we have to also understand it in conjunction with John chapter 11. Remember when Jesus was going to raise Lazarus from the dead? Remember that? Got to consider this together. Now here we have, this is the first resurrection. And then just a minute, it's going to say, blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. What's this talking about? What did Jesus say? What did Jesus say to Martha on that day in John chapter 11? He said, I am the resurrection and the life. Who's the resurrection? Jesus is the resurrection and the life. So when Revelation chapter 20 says, and blessed and holy is he that has part in the first resurrection, it's talking about having part in Jesus Christ because he is the resurrection and the life. Now, stay with me. Also, it says that those that do will never die. In Acts chapter 13 and verse 34. You know, there were people that died before Jesus died. And there were people that were raised from the dead before Jesus was raised from the dead. We know that. Okay? Jesus even raised from the dead before he died. So when we talk about Jesus being the first resurrected, we're not talking about the first person that ever died and was raised. We are talking about the first one that has died and was raised never to die again. That's the first resurrection. That's Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the resurrection. I am the life. To have part in the first resurrection means to have part in Christ. To get the spiritual blessings of the resurrection, it is necessary to be faithful after coming to him. When do you come to him? When you've been translated into the kingdom of God's dear son, when you put on Christ at baptism. And if you want the benefits of the resurrection, Jesus Christ, Jesus said, I am that resurrection. We have to stay faithful. In fact, here it says, he lives and abides in me, shall never die. You know, this is a current relationship. It doesn't say lived 
And it doesn't say abide in a, in, or believe in a past tense. It didn't say believed. It says lives and believes. And that belief is the force to obey. If we want to have the blessings of Jesus Christ. Going now back to Revelation chapter 20. That's what it means when it says over such the second death has no power. So what, did it, what does it say here? First of all, Jesus is the resurrection and the life. He is the first. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection, meaning you've got to have a part in Christ. You've got to be a Christian. You've got to come to Jesus. And if you do and you're faithful unto death, the second death has no power. That's the judgment. That's the judgment. Now, if you look at the end, though, this is where people get messed up. Look at this here. Shall reign with him a thousand years. First of all, this has to be figurative. Without me going any farther, it makes no sense if this is literal. You know why? Because there's only one king. And that one king is reigning over the throne right now. On the throne right now. So it's impossible to literally reign like the king reigns together with him. So we know that that is figurative language. The word reign has to be figurative. This is what Thayer says, by the way. Thayer said this. His, here's his explanation. He said, John transfers the word to denote the supreme moral dignity, liberty, blessedness, which is to be enjoyed by Christ's redeemed ones. So in other words, to reign with him, I'll get to the thousand years in a minute. To reign with him means to enjoy the blessings in him for all eternity. To enjoy the blessings in heaven for all eternity. That's what that means. That's what reign means. What does a thousand years mean though? Because what people want to do is they want to say this. When you get down to the thousand year reign, it has to be literal. It's got to be on this earth and Jesus is going to do that. But understand this. It's also figurative, and it's not bound, as one scholar said, by the calendar. When you look at words like a thousand years, we're talking about symbolic language. The Bible does not restrict itself to exact mathematical values of the numbers that are mentioned. Let me give you an example. Okay? Let me give you an example. In Daniel chapter 9 and verse 24, you know what it says? It says 70 weeks. Now, 70 weeks, is it literal weeks? We can figure out how many days that is, right? But 70 weeks is 490 years. Do you know why? Because weeks in that passage was not used literally. It is talking about units of seven. How many days are in a week? Seven. Seven units of seven become 490 years. Symbolism. Figurative. Not literal. So the reign, of, the reign of a thousand years is a completeness. It is not a literal thousand years. So all statements of the resurrection that is to incur, occur before the second coming of Christ, all of those are figurative only. Nowhere in the plain teaching of Scripture does it ever say that Christ will return and set foot on the earth. In fact, it says just the opposite. It says just the opposite. What's going to happen? 
In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 17, it says, Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. He's never going to set foot on this earth ever again. When the Lord comes back, guess what we're going to do? We're going to meet him in the air. We're going to meet him in the air. Isn't that great? Here's another passage. 2 Peter 3, 10 and 10 through 13. Bear with me as we read this passage. It's very, very important. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. So, what's going to happen to the earth? Here it is. The first thing is the heavens are going to pass away. What's that? By the way, we're not talking about the third heaven where God is now, by the way. We're talking about heavens. We're talking about the first two heavens. What are they? It is the air expanse of the sky, and that's the first heaven. You look up into the sky. You see the sky, the air expanse of the, of the sky. One scholar said where the clouds live, that's the first heaven. The second heaven is where the stars are, the planets are, all of that. The third heaven is where God is. So when it says heavens, plural, will pass away, it's talking about the sky and it's talking about the planets. What's going to happen? Is it going to just get a rejuvenation? No, it's going to pass away with a great noise. What else? I love this. The elements will melt with fervent heat. That means this. Even the elements that made up the universe will also Melt with fervent heat. So not only are the heavens that we know about, we look up and see, will pass away, but even the elements that made them will melt. Here's another one. The earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Now, I got to ask you, how is Jesus going to come back to this earth and reign for a thousand years when this earth is going to be burned up. In fact, he sums it all up. He sums up what he just said about the heavens and the elements and the earth. He said all these things would be dissolved. Dissolved. Okay. They're going to pass away, melt, burn up, and be dissolved. But look at verse 13. This is where people get a little confused. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. And some of our religious friends would say what that means is this earth is going to get fixed up. The problem with that is the definition of this word right here. New heaven and new earth. The word new literally means that which has never been inhabited. In other words, it's not a fixer-upper. It's brand new. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. 
And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and bring you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also. What's he talking about? New heavens, new earth. That is a figurative word there, earth, meaning heaven. I'm going to go to heaven, not this earth. I had a, f- a couple fellows knock on my door one time. And of a particular affiliation... And I know that they believe that heaven is already inhabited and this earth is what it's going to be about. And they take this passage out of context. And I said, let's just hold off. Let me just say this in advance. We'll study the Bible all you want. But I want to say this in advance. I know what you believe and I'm going to tell you what I believe. I believe what the Bible says. I believe in a place of heaven. I believe in the resurrection and I want to go to heaven. Do you know what this person said to me? I don't. I don't. I don't want to go to heaven at all. You can go to heaven. You can want to go to heaven, but that's nothing. I want to be on this new earth. This earth? Refurbished? No. It's going to melt. It'll be dissolved. It'll be done away with. And the new one will be uninhabited. That's heaven one day. Not a refurbishing of this. But something else, though. Look at this. In this place... It'll be a place where righteousness dwells, okay? Now stay with me on this. Do you remember what I said about the seven years of tribulation? And then I said about the thousand-year reign that is often believed? During that period of time, their belief is that the wicked still exist on the earth, but not this one. This is where righteousness dwells. In fact, that's what the book of Revelation is talking about when it says the righteous will be righteous still and the wicked will be wicked still. Meaning this, if I make it to heaven, I'm never getting kicked out. If I miss heaven, I'm never getting in. At the end of time, and we're going to talk about that in a minute, how that works. At the end of time, Premillennialism, premillennialism teaches that wickedness will remain during the thousand-year reign on the earth. That's not what the Bible says, not at all. It's where righteousness dwells. What else? It'll come as a thief in the night. Unannounced, a thief in the night. There's not going to be righteous people disappearing in the rapture seven years before. There will not be an earthly king sitting on a throne, and there will be no signs of the second coming. Notice Peter's admonition in verse 14 about being faithful. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace without spot and blameless. Let me ask you, why would he tell them to be found without spot and and blameless if they got a second chance during the seven years of tribulation? Makes no sense. There's no such thing as the seven years to repent in tribulation. What about this warning too? And I'll tell you something, folks. The word of God is so plain. And the word of God just says it like it is. And this is what the word of God says in verse 16 of 2 Peter chapter 3. And also in all his epistles, speaking to them of these things. In which are some things hard to understand. What's he talking about? He's talking about the end of time. He's talking about the resurrection. He said in some of these things they're hard to understand. What's going to happen though? There are those 
that are taught and they're unstable people, untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction. The King James says rest, W-R-E-S-T, resting the scriptures. People are going to do that. The word of God says that's, that's exactly what's going to happen. So what's going to happen at the resurrection? And i got to say it again. Let's put all the emphasis on the great things that are going to happen in the resurrection. Do you remember when David sent for Mephibosheth and he was going to invite him in? And he was going to invite him in to eat at his table for the rest of his life? That's a wonderful picture there, okay? And Mephibosheth was scared to death. He didn't want to see the king because he thought he was going to kill him. Because that's what they did. That's what customarily they did when the new king came in. He took all the people from the other regime and family members and killed them all. Mephibosheth was scared out of his mind. The last thing he wanted was to see the king. But the king showed great kindness. And King David said, I'm going to restore all the land of your father's house, meaning your grandfather, King Saul. I'm going to give it all back to you. I'm going to give you people that are going to run everything and take care of everything. And then he said this, and you will eat at my table for the rest of your life. Wonderful blessings. Okay? Undeserved. Kind of like a child of God, but for Christ's sake, we're forgiven. Okay? If Jesus comes back and I'm not living right, then Jesus is the last one I want to see. The king is the last one I want to see. But if I am living right and I'm living in accordance with the word of God and I'm a Christian faithful unto death, you know what? I can't wait to see the king. Remember Phil Kelly? We would sit right here and we'd have a singing and he would stand up and turn around to all of us and say, you know, wouldn't it be great if the Lord would just come back right now? Put an end to the whole thing. You know why? Because if you're ready, if you're prepared, you want to see the king. Can't wait to see the king. Here's the world. Here's the world's perception, though. I want to go to heaven. I just don't want to go now. Not today. Got stuff to do. If you're ready, you'll want to see the king. What's going to happen in the end? Okay? Talked about all the things that's not going to happen. What is going to happen? And I'm almost finished. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the resurrection. Verses 23 and 24. But each one in his own order. Christ the firstfruits after those who are Christ at his coming. Notice that. Notice what's going to happen. Christ was raised from the dead first. What's next? The resurrection at his second coming. There's no rapture. There's no tribulation. What comes next, Paul? What's next? What's going to happen next? I'll tell you what's going to happen next. It's the end. That's what's going to happen. It's the end. Christ, the first fruits of them that slept, first one to die, be raised from the dead, never to die again. That happened. What's next? The next thing is, guess what? Those that are Christ at his coming are going to be raised too. When, and what's going to happen after that? It's going to be over. It'll be the end. And what's he going to do? Two things. He's going to deliver the kingdom to God the Father. That's the church. He's going to hand the church to the Father. Does that sound like a future reign? Watch this. Then he's going to put down or put an end to all rule and all authority and all power. So when he comes back, there's no thousand year reign uh, physically on a throne in this life. Not at all. When he comes back, he's going to deliver the kingdom, the church to the father, and he's going to put down all rule and all authority. 
And God will be all in all. One more thing. It's going to also be when death is conquered. You know, I think about this. I think about people that we have loved and lost. Dear people in our life that we have loved and lost to death. And while the earth stands, people are going to continue to die. But there's going to come a day when death will be conquered. And by the way, it's the, it's the same day. It's the same day at the end. And death will be conquered. How do I know that? Verses 40, 54 and 55 of the same chapter. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality... Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? When's it going to happen? When this corruptible body puts on incorruption and this mortal body puts on immortality. No more rain. Kingdom handed to the Father. Nothing else. It'll be over. The kingdom being delivered to God and putting down all rule must happen at the same time that death is conquered. And that is, the, and that is at the resurrection. And there will not be a thousand year reign on the earth. Folks, plain passages of scripture teach that the second coming will be the last thing that ever happens. That's why the word of God tells us to be ready. You know, Bob Smith used to always pray, and I knew what he meant, because the Bible teaches this, to be ready and watching. Now, you can't watch because you can see it coming, because you can't. It'll come as a thief in the night. But if I'm watching, I'm on guard. I'm on guard. I'm watching. So if in my life I do that very thing, I am watching and I'm ready and I'm prepared and I'm living as I should, I'm ready when the Lord comes back. That's the greatest day of all. And I'm going to tell you, I don't know everything there is to know about what's going to happen on that day. I know this though. I know this, that if I'm saved, then this corruption will put on incorruption and this mortal will put on immortality. I'm going to get a body like Jesus and I'm going to go to heaven and I'm going to be with God's people for all eternity. If that doesn't get you fired up, I don't know what will. Watching. So, in conclusion, here are those four questions. I hope we can all say we know the answers to these. Number one. Will there be a rapture? I'm not talking about the resurrection. The rapture is this. Jesus plucks the saved out while the other people stay on the earth for seven more years. No. No, there won't be a rapture. Therefore, there will not be seven years of tribulation. Jesus will not establish an earthly kingdom. He has already done that. He has already established a kingdom, a spiritual kingdom. And the church is the earthly institution of that heavenly kingdom. And he's reigning over that church, that kingdom right now. Will there be an earthly kingdom? No. And he will not reign on the earth for another thousand literal years. We thank you for listening to our podcast put on by the Church of Christ at 2215 Plans Road in Bakersfield. If you would like any additional information, 
or you would like to receive a free Bible correspondence course by mail, please email us at info at churchofchristbakersfield.com. Our service times are Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. Please make plans to join us. We would love for you to be our honored guest.